Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And here's your host, who wishes she had a name with more syllables, Dr. Grace Lee. Hello, I'm back for another episode of Career Revisionist. This is episode number 32, how to stay positive at work without faking it. So what was my inspiration? You're probably wondering, why am I talking about positivity? Is this a little, it sounds a little new age. It sounds a little bit about meditation, mindfulness, that type of, that type of uh, a niche. And I assure you, it's not. And so when I talk about positivity, staying positive, it's not just a matter of you, you try to think positive thoughts, stay positive all the time. And even through the hard times, you got to try to find a, stay, find a way to stay positive. And it's so impossible. And, and that's not what I'm talking about. Because even, I mean, have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried it? In, let's say, have you ever had a situation where you are in a bind like it's really, it's very challenging. It is emotionally challenging. It's physically exhausting. And you're just in that moment, in the heat of that moment. And someone comes to you and you share with them what has been happening. And you share with them with the hopes of getting some, getting something off your chest. So you pour it all out, what's been happening and how you've been feeling. And then that person turns to you and he goes, oh, just try to think positive. It'll be all right. Just be positive. Think positive thoughts. Does that help? Like in that moment, if someone said that to you, would you be able to take that advice and apply it and think positive and all of a sudden your feelings just start to, your, your burden starts to disappear from your chest? Is that, is, that, is that easy? And does that advice help you? Right? Because I mean, I've been in that situation multiple times in my life. And when it's one of my pet peeves when someone says that to me. When they come to me and, I, and I've just poured my heart out and I've been very vulnerable and shared, this is what's happening and this is how I'm feeling and I'm still feeling it right now. I'm just so angry or I'm just in anguish. I'm livid with anger. And I, and I share that with someone and then they, it seems like they're listening and then all they can come up with is hang in there, just stay positive. And then in that moment, they say it. It's like I, I hear the sound of glass shattering and, and I immediately feel like it feel like saying to them, have you have you listened at all to what I've just said? Have you listened to how difficult of a situation this is, how impossible the decision is for me to move forward to get out of this? Right. And, and it just feels like obviously they've either never been in my shoes before and experienced this type of situation or they just don't know what to say and they're just grasping at straws. And this is like their a very haphazard thing to say, a laxadaisical approach of trying to console me. You know, that's 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 there's lots of those are the thoughts that go through my mind when when someone says that to me. And here's the thing: positivity is exactly like that. You can't just summon it. Right. And on the other hand, it's not wrong to feel anger about something. It's not wrong to feel anguish or disappointment or utter upset. About utterly upset about something, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. So why are we in such a hurry to try to get rid of those feelings? And why do we feel guilty if someone says, 
just be positive and stay strong and we can't do it. Why do we feel guilty? Right. So that was really, that's really the a summary of my motivation to talk about this, how to stay positive at work. Because no doubt when you're at work, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of moving pieces. You are working with people. You are working with supervisors above you. They, you are working with, you maybe you're managing a team and you can't control what other people say and do. And you can't, you definitely cannot control what they think, right? So then there's a whole slew, a whole list of unpredictable things that can happen at work that can, that can lead to um, a list of emotions that are quite negative. So I want to talk about how to stay positive at work without faking it, without lying to yourself and without feeling guilty when someone gives you that advice and you just kind of feel like, I can't do it. There's no way to do it. So what I'm going to do is talk about what I'm going to be doing is giving you six things that you can do to stay positive at work. Okay, so number one is to be congruent with positivity. So think of a marriage. You know, if you are married or if you're about to get married or you're recently married, marriage, you must have heard this before. And if you haven't, I, uh, I hope this is okay. This, this will be the first time you hear it then. Marriage in and of itself won't make you happy, right? You can't get married in the hopes that you'll be happier after you're married, right? And here's the thing, the key to a happy, a happy marriage a happy lifelong marriage, the key to that is that you already have to be a happy person going into marriage. You already have to be a whole person going into the marriage. A marriage won't fix your unhappy issues, right? The other person can't fix them. You already have to go into the marriage as a whole person, as a happy person to have a happy marriage and a happy married life. And the same thing is true with work. You have to be already a happy person, a positive person. And it doesn't mean that you're immune to feelings of upset and anger and disappointment and bitterness. It doesn't mean that you're immune to them. It just means that your baseline, the home where you live, the emotional home that you live in is one of positivity. It's one of gratitude. It's one of peacefulness. It's one of servitude. That's where you, that's the person you have to be, first of all. And you do this by developing your emotional intelligence. And when you do it properly, you will be internally strong and nothing on the outside can affect your inner wellness. Because that is by definition of emotional intelligence. It's EQ. It means that anything that happens on the outside is beyond your control. Because the only thing you can control in this world, on this earth, is yourself, your feelings, your thoughts, your actions and your beliefs. Those things are completely within your control. No doubt they are influenced by external things. They could be influenced by what other people say and do, but ultimately what you act upon is completely within your control. And so when you have developed a strong emotional intelligence, a high high EQ, it means that you can stay internally strong regardless of what's happening outside of you. And it doesn't affect your inner wellness. Your inner wellness is very much tied to your physical wellness, your outside wellness as well. So start. So the way to start is just to start by recognizing that your emotions are are largely what drive and motivate you. 
rather than the barriers to accomplishing anything, right? Your, your, your emotions drive what you do. They drive you. They motivate you. So there's always, there's always a perception of every situation that you have to make, right? Everything that you encounter, all the negative stuff at work, all the things that upset you, all the things that anger you, with every situation that you encounter, you make a perception out of it. You, have, you form a thought about it or a belief about it. So the attempt you make is to control the situation. The, the attempt you make is to control the situation in your mind, right? So the, the control of the situation you have is within your mind, right? So if you look for the things that will give you a pos- positive perception, then you'll find it. So knowing and taking ownership of the fact that you have control of everything that goes on in your mind, your thoughts and your beliefs, and therefore your thoughts and beliefs control your actions because your thoughts and beliefs become your actions and your actions become your reality. So if you look for things in the situation that give you a positive perception, then you will find them. If you haven't found it, if you haven't found any positive things, positive perceptions to have, it means you haven't looked hard enough because the same thing is true on the other side. If you have, if you're suspicious of something, if someone at work did something or said something and you're just so suspicious of them and you, and you start to look for things that confirm your suspicions, you'll find that too. So which do you prefer to find? Do you prefer to find a positive perception or something to confirm your negative ones? Right? So it is a choice that, that has to be made. So here's the thing. We all experience ups and downs in our lives. Frustration, disappointment, fear, sadness, and anger are all part of being human. But the key is to experience these feelings without, be, without becoming overwhelmed by them and to realize that everything passes with time, right? And to avoid making decisions when you're feeling strong emotions, but just wait until you're more like, for example, you're more on a, a, an even keel before you make decisions. Because chances are, if you're, if you're still in the heat of the moment, and still feeling frustration strongly, or you're still feeling fearful very strongly, or sadness really strongly, those are the times where you want to avoid making decisions. Because when you make those decisions, at the height of those emotions, it's really difficult to separate fact from emotion. And therefore, your decisions are driven more by emotion than rationally. Right, so wait till you're more on a, an even keel before making decisions. And another thing is to, keep, is, is to choose to keep that enthusiasm alive inside of you. Enthusiasm will help you keep positive because you'll have the feeling that, you're a, lot, that a lot of good things have, are planned for you. Right? You'll have this feeling that there are a lot of good things in your life. Enthusiasm is better than willpower. So create something to look forward to and create it so that you look forward to it with enthusiasm and that'll trigger some sort of happiness. And that'll help you also to become congruent with positivity combined with a, developing a strong emotional intelligence and that inner, inner resilience and that choice to be able to choose to control the situation within your mind to choose to have a positive perception because how you perceive something, if you perceive it positively, it really changes the, the, the playing field. Whatever the situation is, the way you perceive it from the inside changes the playing field completely. So number two, 
is to focus on your impact. The key here is to find the meaning behind what you do and then connect it to your daily tasks. And this is important, especially for the tasks that seem trivial to you. Because a lot of times when you're doing tasks that are trivial, you know, things that these are like the have to's at work. They're really trivial. You just kind of feel like, what's the point of this? Or where is this even taking me? It's meaningless. I'm better than this. This is so beneath me. Like those trivial tasks. That's what I'm talking about. Those trivial tasks. When you are in the middle of doing trivial tasks and those tasks are piling up on you, it's really easy to lose focus. It's really easy to find negative negativity in that. Now, so instead, if you connect it, if you look for the meaning behind what you're doing and you connect it to the task that you're doing, it helps to focus. It helps you to focus on the impact that you're, that you're going to have, the impact that you are already having. So think about what exactly makes your work meaningful. You know, whether it's your relationship with your coworkers or maybe your company's mission. A lot of companies have mission statements. A lot of companies do work or they, they, they make an income, they make a revenue because that's what a company, the whole existence of a business is, is to make profit. But a lot of companies, they, they do something very meaningful with their profits. You know, so if that is their, if there's a company mission to make a difference in the world somewhere to a large group of people, that is something that is meaningful. So think about what makes your work meaningful or what ultimately you're helping people to do, right? And if none of these apply to you, like absolutely none of these apply to you. For some reason, the company doesn't donate its profits. There's no charity charity work done. The company doesn't have a mission statement or the relationship, your relationship with coworkers is, is, is you're feeling that, oh, this is, this is meaning, meaningless or it's very surface level um, or, you know, you just kind of feel like none of this applies to you. If that's true, then just associate your work with some kind of giving. In other words, I mean, I like to use this concept a lot. I call it earning to give. You earn to give. So it's basically about choosing a charity and you just contribute to it. So let me give you, let me give you an example. So my adoptive parents are Ugandans. They, they, live, in, they live in a village outside of Masaka, um, this like a few hours drive from, from Kampala. And they have an orphanage. And their orphanage is Eagle's Wings Children's Village. You can actually Google that. And so they've been running this orphanage for a long time. And I mean, it's, it's actually more than 20 years now this orphanage has been, they're, they're the directors, they founded it and they're still running it even beyond their retirement. So my, my, my adoptive parents, they're, they're, they're both over 70 right now and they're still running this orphanage in, in the heart of Uganda. And when they started this orphanage, uh, they started it for one reason and one reason only is because they saw a need. You know, there's a lot of children, hundreds of children in that country who have nothing, who are abandoned, whose parents have have died, who are left abandoned on the side of streets. And there's they saw this and it was happening again and again. And they, they wanted to do something about it. And so they started the, orf- the orphanage because they felt called that this was their life's purpose. For, so when the, when they started, like it was 20 years ago, I was still in college and I was a broke college student. I wasn't making money. I wasn't working. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. But I wanted to make a contribution. And I wanted to make a difference. 
And so through them, when I started working, when I started to make some money, even though I I, I couldn't really sustain my, my living costs quite yet, you know, my, my goal was to earn to give. And part of that, and, and what that meant to me was that through my, my adoptive parents, through my parents, because they have this orphanage, if I gave them money towards that cause, they could make a difference in the lives of children. So today, today, I'm really happy to say that there's 10 children in their village, in their orphanage that I sponsor. And I've been sponsoring them since they were the age of three, like all of them, they were, you know, two or three years old. And there's a need, you know, they come to the village, to my parents' village, and people you know, bring them there or they have social workers going out to the village and saying and and telling them that there's a group of children, this child needs provisions, this child, you know, needs some needs this or needs education or, or clothing or they don't they're not being cared for. And they bring them to my parents attention. And so these children were, they call them the the neediest of needy of the neediest kids, the neediest of the needy. And they're the ones that live in my parents orphanage. So when I, when, I, when I started to earn more, I was able to give more. And that, for me, was one of my motivations to do what I do. So that's how you can create meaning for yourself. Meaning for your work is to focus on the impact that you can have. And it doesn't mean that you have to you know, fly to Uganda. It doesn't mean that you have to earn so much money or, or be a millionaire. It just means that you earn and you give a percentage of your earnings. And when you earn more, you can give more. And that's the concept of earning to give. So number three, number three is reward your accomplishments. So, okay, first of all, I want to say that I know, I understand that marking something off your to-do list feels really good and it feels good enough as it is. But if you reward yourself, you'll be proud of yourself and you want to accomplish more. Right. And, 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 it, and it, make, it helps you to focus on your goals, especially because immediate rewards satisfy our need for instant gratification. Right. So rewarding yourself and rewarding your accomplishments is a way to stay positive, not just because it satisfies, you know, instantly you, you feel good about it right away. And then, you know, instant gratification. It's not just because of that, but it's also because you it, it, it fuels you. It makes you want to accomplish more and it keeps that momentum. And here's, here's what you can do. You can try if-then statements. Try a, little, so try a little bit of if-then statements. And here's what I mean by that. So it goes if-then. For example, if I finish this one report, then I, give, I get to have a frappuccino. Or if I finish this one thing at work, then I get to go out for ice cream. Or whatever, whatever your reward is, you, you assign a reward. So if-then statements, give yourself give yourself motivation to carry through and to cut out all distractions. And it also works, and this is the magic thing about if-then statements and rewarding yourself. It also works for conditioning behavior. So for example, if you can say that if I work for the next three hours solid without getting distracted by Facebook or email, then I get an extra 10 minutes added to my next break. Right. So that's conditioning behavior, conditioning good behavior in yourself. So Rewarding your accomplishments serves two purposes, right? So another thing is that you can try to match the size of your reward with the intensity of your accomplishment. So for example, if you have this huge meeting that you're leading on Wednesday and it's going to be like a multi-million dollar meeting with a potential partner, then 
you want you want to match the size of your reward. So that's a pretty big thing. That's a pretty big accomplishment. So the reward would be, I don't know, like for example, an after work reward, a get together with friends for happy hour. You know, instead of just ice cream, it's it's this huge party that you're you're putting together. It's this huge thing that you can you could enjoy a more expensive happy hour. So match the size of your reward with the intensity of that accomplishment that you're going to have. And so that's the thing because doing something that makes you happy in the moment. Or knowing you have something to look forward to can make you feel more positive in the workplace. Number four is to think of the worst case scenario. So you're probably thinking, okay, how is how is thinking about the worst case scenario going to help me be more positive, right? So here's the thing: when you ask yourself a question, ask yourself, what's the worst case scenario that could happen? You're, you're in a situation at work and you're feeling antsy about it you're anxious about it you're worried about it and you just can't stop you just can't turn off your mind from thinking about all the things that could go wrong that could easily lead to a cascade of negativity right a cascade of pessimism and it's hard to bring yourself out of it so one thing you can do to do with it, to to bring that positivity back or to level up and get more balance in your, in your emotion is to ask yourself what's the worst case scenario that could happen and many times the worst case scenario isn't that bad or it's unlikely to happen. So you give yourself a thinking experiment, a thought process where you think through the worst case scenario and that helps you to take steps to avoid it. For example, if you're giving this big presentation, what you do is you run through the presentation over and over under different situations so that you feel comfortable no matter what. And then you go into the room where you're going to give it your, your, your talk, you test the equipment, and you bring backups of all the, you know, USB sticks, you bring all these backups, so you know your technology will work on the presentation day. And that'll help you to stay positive, it'll, or it'll at least help you to, it'll at least prevent you from going down that cascade of negativity where you keep thinking about all the things that could possibly go wrong. So thinking through the worst case scenario also reveals that the stakes aren't as high as you thought they would be, or they're not as high as you're making them to be. Because right? sometimes the reason why our brains think about all the things that could go wrong is because we're making them bigger than they actually are. So when you take a step back and you separate that emotion from the fact of what the, what the potential journey could take you, and you think about what's the worst thing that could happen? And how bad is it? Then you realize, oh, it's just an imagination. It's just, a, it's just an assumption. I didn't really need to get all worked up about it. Okay, number five. Number five is to improve your space. The space around you creates an environment that often affects how you feel. So then what you want to do is create a space that fosters a positive mindset instead of a negative one. And that's where you can include things around you that spark your joy or remind you of what it feels like to achieve your worthwhile goals. And sometimes it helps to keep things around your workplace that remind you or to make you feel more like home. And that helps to, that helps to you know, to, to nurture that positivity as well at work. The space around you is not just about your desk and your computer, your mouse, and your keyboard. That's not just, that's not the only thing. They're not just the objects that are around you. Your space also includes the people around you. So surround yourself with positive coworkers. And if you work with people who are enthusiastic about their work, it can really make you more positive about your work as well. So the thing is, like, 
science has proven this as well, that, that positive-minded people tend to attract people who want to support them. So having this collaborative network will drive your success, which in turn makes other people keep wanting to work with you and associate with you. So while positivity is contagious, the opposite is also, is also true. Negativity is also contagious. That's why you want to try to spend less time around negative, negative people around you. Because the more that you surround yourself with positivity, positive people, it's contagious. You become more positive and then you become more attractive to people who want to support you. People tend to want to support people who appear to be more positive, to more giving or, or you know, more, more, it's contagious. So you attract that type of network as well. And your, as your network grows a positivity, so does your sphere of positivity. Number six is to practice gratitude. Be grateful for what you already have. And remember to thank those who've helped you along the way and be careful to give credit where credit is due. Acting from a place of gratitude is an insurance policy against egotism and you simply can't feel negativity when you are grateful and when you're appreciative. Those two emotions simply cannot exist at the same time. Gratitude and negativity, they just can't exist. After all, I mean, some of the most important things in life aren't those that we could even earn. You know, love, appreciation, respect. You can't earn those things all the time, right? Some, and, and sometimes those things are given to us as gifts by those who care about us. You think about your significant others. Think about the people in your love, those, the people in your life, the handful of people who truly and who truly, truly love you. They've seen you through thick and thin. They've stood by your side. They've seen all your true colors and yet they still love you. That's a gift that you didn't earn, that you couldn't possibly earn. And the only way that we can stay worthy of these precious gifts is to show gratitude. So practice gratitude and that really will help you to stay positive. And in doing so, you are truly authentic to your true self. So I hope that was helpful. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Career Revisionist. Again, I visit, I invite you to subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. And if you're not an Apple user, I'm also available on Android. Just visit careerrevisionist.com and you can see and choose from all the platforms where you can find me. Leave me a review as well. Your reviews are so important to me. If you have questions, you can leave them there as well. And I'm happy to answer them in my next podcast.